Hey guys, we don't have a new episode this week. Instead, we are bringing you a remix, a slightly shortened version of what has been our top downloaded episode of all time since we started. And that was our episode on intermittent fasting where we interviewed Amanda Nybert. And I will say that if you have um, dabbled in our Instagram feeds or if you have listened to this podcast a handful of times, you know that Carolyn and I are both avid fans of intermittent fasting. So if you don't know what it is, if you wanted to get a little bit of a preview, but you didn't want to do the long version of the episode, this week is for you. Let's get started. So excited to introduce y'all to the guest who is going to kind of our expert in intermittent fasting. It's Amanda Nybert. Amanda is really the first practitioner or first dietitian that I really learned about intermittent fasting from. What is intermittent fasting? What does that mean? What does it entail? How, how would you describe it to someone who is not familiar with it? Intermittent fasting it's simply another way of looking at it as time restricted eating, um, the ability to, you know, reduce your eating window to a certain period of time. Um, and I always like to say the reason why intermittent fasting is getting so much, um, you know, kind of news and, and um, spotlight right now has to do with the um, Nobel Peace Prize, which was won in 2016 regarding the discovery of autophagy. And it was really at that point when that kind of research and, and that, um, you know, award was given that we realized that there is actually a very powerful process that happens in the body at digestive rest. Um, and that is autophagy. And, and basically autophagy is the body's ability to cleanse itself from the inside out. And it wasn't until really that point that we could definitively say, yes, there is benefit in not eating. At the end of the day, intermittent fasting is just simply um, a time in which you don't eat. Can you talk a little bit about the different ways of following intermittent fasting? Because there are a couple different methods out there. But I actually started intermittent fasting, gosh, about like eight months ago. Mm -hmm. And I do 16-8. And that's just what works for me. I like 16-8 too. Because there are different ways. Amanda, will you explain what the different ways are? And then if you have a preference or if you have one that you think is you know, ideal for people to follow, like give that one a shout out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what I love about intermittent fasting, I mean, I love so much about it. A, it's free, you know, there, there's <laughs> to implementing this, you know, nutritional strategy or health strategy. B, there's so many different ways in order to implement it in your life. And so you can really find the schedule that works best for you and see, it's not an all or nothing strategy. You know, if you want to fast for 16 hours and eat for eight hours Monday through Friday, and you want to eat breakfast with your children on Saturday and Sunday, go for it. Every day you fast, every time that you implement time-restricted eating, you receive the benefits. There's definitely a lot of different ways to implement it. The 16-8, I feel like is the most popular because I feel like it's the most doable. Um, I know in my clinical, when I was working in a clinical setting, the 16-8 is, is very simple. Most of the time you skip breakfast. 
Um, you eat your first meal at about 10, 11, or 12, and you wrap everything up at about five, six, or seven. So we fast for 16 hours and we eat for eight hours. I think that every single person listening to this podcast and every person in your life from your one-year-old to your 101-year-old should be fasting for at least 12 hours. This whole notion of kind of eating all day long has really gotten us into bad shape. Yeah. So 12 hours is, is a, a really good way to do it. 16 to 18 is a really good way to do it. You mentioned the 5-2, and that's where you kind of eat normal for five days and you do like uber low calories for two. There's alternate day fasting, you know, where you fast for 24 hours and then you eat normal and you fast for 24 hours and then you eat normal. If you look at the data and if you look at obesity rates, about the time that obesity rates really started trending upwards correlates with the time we kind of left the three meal a day approach. It's more when people started snacking more snacking. and yeah. And, and if you look, our eating window expanded, you know, it used to be, we ate it, we got up, ate breakfast and then we had dinner and we were done for the day yeah. and we were fine. Like back in the 1950s and sixties. Now, you know, you may have something at 6am, 7am, and then you're still eating or drinking something, something with calories, you know, at 11pm. And so our eating window has expanded from going to what used to be maybe around 12 hours to 14 or 16 hours. Exactly. And I think, you know, and you can correlate obesity, you know, the uh, overall decline in America's health to the first nutritional guidelines, uh, the food guide pyramid, and this whole notion of six small meals a day. You know, with the old pattern, three meals a day, we had an insulin spike, you know, three times breakfast, lunch and dinner. And so we're really only in that kind of fat storage mode three times a day. Well, when we started to eat six times a day, we really never had the ability for our insulin levels to recover. So instead of having three insulin spikes throughout the day, our insulin levels are high all day long. So we're really promoting that fat storage for, versus that fat burning mechanism. Do you find that people struggle with more the mental aspect of not eating or is it more hunger, Amanda? Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, the amount of people that are like, oh, if I don't, if I don't eat in the morning, I'll pass out, like, my blood sugar will drop, you know, and I do feel like that there is a process where when you're, you know, consuming highly processed foods, lots of carbohydrates and things like that, that there is a process in which it takes for your body to kind of regulate that. So I always say a ease into fasting, you know, Start with a 12-hour eating window, start with a 12-hour fast, and kind of build on that for the first 7 to 10 days. You know, the next day, go to 13 hours. The next day, go to 14 hours. Um, I think that you tolerate it much better. And B, you have to support your body with electrolytes. Um, again, going back to that sodium, potassium, and magnesium, um, I'm reading a book called The Salt Fix with my monthly membership. Because just like kind of fat is bad for you, um, fat got a bad rap at the beginning of, you know, the, the food guy pyramid and everything. So did sodium. And sodium still gets a really bad rap, but we need it and we need it in adequate amounts. And these kind of low sodium diets that we've been pushing for the past four or five decades 
are not beneficial to us. They kind of make us, you know, in worse health. So um, a lot of times when people have avoided salt and they're not getting enough magnesium, their body's just not at, at an optimal balance. So when we focus on optimizing those electrolytes, you feel so much better. So I always say electrolyte water is powerful to help you through your fast. Caffeine is very powerful. So, you know, black coffee is kind of like the best case scenario. Um, but, you know, you can put like a little dollop of cream in there if you want. Um, but things like that really kind of help support you during that fasting period. Oh, black coffee is my go-to. But I, I have to say, you really are the renegade dietitian if you just gave us permission to um, not be so stressed <laughs> about our salt intake. I mean, can yeah. we be, can no, we be best I mean, friends? Like, it is huge. Um, and, and I've learned so much just from this physician that has done such heavy research into the, the history of sodium. And, and I'm starting to see someone sent me an article. I'm starting to kind of see that kind of come to the forefront. So um, that's a whole nother podcast right there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, what is our goal when we're trying to stay within a fast? You know, a lot of my knowledge of fasting came from Dr. Fung. He wrote an amazing book called The Complete Guide to, to Intermittent Fasting. And one of the things that I found to be very powerful in which he says is sometimes you have to meet people where they are. Okay. And I see this a lot in with regards to weight loss and nutrition and health and wellness. You know, if you've got somebody that's drinking a caramel macchiato, you know, and eating a sausage biscuit first thing in the morning, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be very doable for them to go to black coffee, you know, and fast all morning. So you kind of have to build on it. And, and what he says is something's better than nothing. And that's kind of the approach that, that I take. There's another form of fasting called fat fasting. And, you know, Dave Asbury has done a ton of research on this. Um, it's also, you know, the, called the bulletproof coffee. And um, a lot of people use that. I just listened to a really great podcast that he did recently. And, uh, you know, I mean, basically what it comes down to is, you know, you make bulletproof coffee, it's about 200 calories, but because it is 100% fat, there is no protein, there's no carbohydrates, you have zero insulin response. And so again, as long as you're not having any type of movement in your blood sugar or your insulin levels, you're technically still in that fasted state. And I love how you said you have to meet people where they're at. I, I love to say that all of the time and, and it informs a lot of the content that I write. But then the other thing is to hear you say that, you know, you have now become a black coffee drinker. And um, I, I mean, I get that. I now am a black coffee drinker. I didn't used to be. But it's one of those things. And this applies not just to intermittent fasting, but in general when it comes to you know, quote unquote, cleaning up your diet is that you do, you can slowly transition yourself in the direction that you want. It's really nice to hear you say that, you know, you can start slow and work your way up to the ideal that you want it to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that I just feel like is the biggest thing holding us all back is this all or nothing mindset. It's like, well, if I can't yeah. fast perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all. And, you know, it's really crushing everything that we do right now with regards to our health and wellness. I mean, the message right now is just so polarizing. You know, it's all about that 
you know, you've got to do it all to be successful. And, you know, people are failing because of that. I would love to transition to talk a little bit about the benefits of intermittent fasting. What are some of the other benefits? Yeah, I mean, obviously, weight loss is just kind of one of those, you know, items that we talk about. And and people that want to like poo-poo on intermittent fasting will always say, well, that's because you're eating less, you know, you're, you're reducing your caloric intake and, you know, kind of all that. And, and I think the research shows that that's not actually the case, that there's more things going on kind of biologically that are promoting that increase in that fat metabolism. I mentioned autophagy, um, which is huge. Autophagy is, you know, your body's ability to get rid of bad cells um, bad DNA, bad membrane, bad mitochondria, um, and, and kind of refurbish ourselves from the inside out. And there's a lot of people kind of, um, hypothesizing that this decline in our eating, you know, in our fasting time over the nighttime period, uh, where we did used to always do a 12 to 14 hour fast. When we look at our eating patterns, back in the, you know, 50s and 40s and 30s and and beyond, we were always fasting for at least 12 to 14 hours. And now, you know, we're fasting more for like eight to 10 hours. And they are saying that, you know, some of the decline in the overall American's health is due to the loss of this process, due to the loss of autophagy. So um, it's a powerful process that we want to make sure that we're um, stimulating on a daily basis. You know, a lot of people think that they're going to have like a lot of brain fog. They're going to have, you know, uh, problems with, you know, focus. And really it's the opposite. You know, most people, again, once you get through those kind of first couple of days where your body's kind of adapting, you have more brain clarity. You have less brain fog. There's a lot of research going on about intermittent fasting and the prevention of Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, there's a lot of research going on about the um, treatment of cancer. We have, you know, reduced inflammation. We have improved heart health. We have slowed aging, um, healthier skin. I mean, you know, until we really started working on this podcast, I hadn't looked that much into potential mood benefits and mental, when it comes to mental wellness, I knew that I felt better. I, um, but do you have any other insight when it comes to, to mental wellness and potential benefits that intermittent fasting might provide? I definitely think that, you know, we know that there's a gut brain connection and we know that the food that we eat impacts the way that we feel, the way that we think. And I, so I think I do believe that, you know, intermittent fasting can positively impact um, not only our, our brain health, but also the way that our, our moods are, um, specifically with those kind of swings in, you know, our blood sugar levels. Several of the studies suggested that intermittent fasting um, or some form of fasting or cutting out calories for a period of time um, for a short period of time, elevated mood and had a positive benefit, brain health in terms of mental wellness. And that, and I would say the other part that is interesting is that a more recent study came out, and Amanda, maybe you can speak to this one too. It was it was an animal, so let's qualify that there. But that intermittent fasting has a positive effect on our, has the potential to have a positive effect on our gut microbiome. 
Yeah, I noticed in a, a separate study, Briarly, that it was when you mentioned the gut thing, that reminded me I saw in a separate study that suggested that fasting enhanced the availability of brain tryptophan and serotonin. That serotonin word that we seem to bring up every yes. episode. But back when we did the gut health episode, um, a few episodes back, Amanda, we shared with people that about 90% of your serotonin, that feel-good chemical, is made in your gut. Healing the gut, um, which I do think that fasting can play a huge role in that, can make a huge impact just on on everything that, that you're dealing with. Uh, so I love that you guys are addressing that because I think yeah. it's really important. Right. I mean, it, it comes back to that combination that we've talked about in previous episodes where there are like multiple mechanisms, right? There's like the anti and like anti-inflammatory approach. And then, you know, in some instances, like the last episode, we talked about vitamin and minerals and, and that sort of thing. And in this one, when it comes to to intermittent fasting, you know, there is some school of thought in terms of mental health is that it. The way that intermittent fast impacts our hunger hormones, Mm -hmm. um, like ghrelin and leptin, and even if we produce ketones, like that those actually, they think, can also be positively impacting our mood. And there's so much about depression that we don't understand all of the mechanisms, right? We don't understand how it kind of completely plays out in our body. And so as a result, it's hard to then say, oh, how might intermittent fasting and how might these hunger hormones impact our mood. But based on some of the limited research that's been done, it it really is positive. No, and I see that a lot, you know, when I work with my clients, sometimes, obviously, to get them better, it does require a lot of change. And there's a lot of moving parts that you know, they need to think about in order to really optimize their health. And that alone creates anxiety, you know? So sometimes Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're working with someone who's overwhelmed, who's doing all the things wrong and you throw them, you know, 10 things that they need to do better. They just, again, they just shrivel up and, you know, melt away. It's that all or nothing mindset. But when you can start with something like, okay, I've got an idea it's free. All it requires is just, you know, a start and a stop. And, you know, let's do this for a week and let's build on it. You know, they feel like, okay, I can do that. Amanda, I wanted to ask because I, oh, I want to ask about exercise. And here's why. Because there are these, you know, depending on how you approach your time-restricted eating, right, you might be doing something that for me, you know, I'm a fairly active person. So for me, it might feel a little extreme to go two days a week where I only eat four or 500 calories. and Following a 5-2. Yeah, following a 5-2. Or as you were saying, there's some where you just eat one meal a day, you know, like, so that's one part of my question. And then the other part is like, could you talk a little bit about how you can merge those two things together or how you advise people who are active to implement intermittent fasting into their lives? Yes, absolutely. We do not want to say to reduce activity in order to increase fasting, that's for sure. And I think that you have to, it's going to be, it's going to be based on the individual and you have to look at what your, you know, health and wellness goals are and what your physical goals are, you know, your activity goals. So, and there's so many different ways that you can implement it. First off, 
you know, the whole notion of you, you've got to eat protein right after a workout, you know, in order for it to be beneficial is, is the science is really weak with regards to that. And especially for the typical person, you know, most people, once you become more fat adapted, and I'll talk more about that, um, can tolerate working out at six or seven in the morning and, you know, having their first meal at 11 or 12. Now, it takes some adjustment. It does take a couple of weeks for your body to, um, you know, tolerate that and, and you feel very optimal. I, I know for me, that's typically when I work out and I don't eat until 12 or 1 every day and I feel great. You know, I've done multiple day fasts in, in the past and I've still worked out, you know, and, and felt great. But that's because I've become adapted to tolerate that. Um, so I think you have to look at your you know, what your goals are, what you're looking for. But for the, for most people that are looking for weight loss and health optimization, um, there's really no issue with working out in that fasted state and then eating kind of later in the day. My typical, you know, recommendation to clients that are shifting from, um, you know, fed workouts to fasted workouts is recognize it takes about three to four weeks for your body to become fat adapted. Um, so, you might need extra support like branched chain amino acids before, during, or after your workout. Drops in blood sugar. Because what I've found is there's a lot of people who maybe wake up and what they assume is hunger probably isn't really hunger. It's more a drop in blood sugar. And it's not true hunger. And I, I have discovered that through my own experiences. And I tell people... I try to load my my fast my eating window where my a lot most of my carbs are earlier in my eating window so that my dinner is more is lower carb and that kind of helps regulate my blood sugar and I don't get that hunger type feeling where my yes. blood sugar drops in the morning and I don't wake up hungry. Now if I have something sweet, mm -hmm. you know, when I, right before I end my eating window, yeah. oh my gosh, but it's not hunger. And I was telling somebody that the other day, I, she said, I just wake up starving. And I said, I don't think it's hung. It's, she said, I'm just, I'm hungry. And I said, I don't think it's hunger. <laughs> it was a good friend. So yeah. I could say it. I said, <laughs> I don't think it's, you're not hungry. You know, you ate a great meal for dinner. You're not hungry. I think it's your blood sugar. And I think that's been one of the most beneficial things that intermittent fasting has slowly taught me is really how to read my body's cues better. All this blood sugar up and downs were making me think I needed to eat because it was hunger and I needed to feed my body. And it really wasn't, you know? Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, that, you know, and again, the thing about it is, is when you are sugar adapted, even just small swings, you know, like if your blood sugar drops to 80, you feel that so much more when in reality, 80 is normal, you know? But you have such swings going up and down that, you know, you feel like you need to eat um, when in reality, it's just like what you're saying. It's really just those those blood sugar changes. So if a listener wants to try IF, um, but maybe doesn't want to do it indefinitely, is there a period of time that you recommend that someone stick to it? Like, is two weeks enough? Should they try it for a month, three months? I know my approach now that I'm, I'm used to it is this is going to be the way I eat for the rest of my life. But for people who haven't tried it and maybe just want to get some of the weight loss benefits or, you know, try it for some of the mental wellness or, you know, just the overall health benefits, 
you know, is there a certain period of time or, or what do you recommend? Well, I always say anytime that you're making a shift in your daily habits and you want to see if that shift is going to have a positive or negative impact on your overall health, weight loss, whatever it may be, you've got to implement it for at least four to six weeks. So that's what I would recommend. You know, it, it, again, it doesn't have to be every day. You could, you know, do a 16 hour fast Monday through Friday and eat, you know, do a 12 hour fast Saturday through Sunday, but um, give yourself at least four to six weeks um, to see what kind of results that, that you get or feel. Yeah. Great. I love that. I love that you, I mean, cause four to six weeks in the grand scheme of things is really not that extensive. It's not like a big, right. a big time commitment and that still, it gets you through, like, as you were saying, you need those three to four weeks to become fat adapted. It kind of gets you over that hump. It gets you into a routine mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, you can decide how you want, you know, whether or not you want to continue or if this is just something that maybe you want to dabble in a couple times a year. And, you know, honestly, it sounds bigger than it is. It sounds harder than it is. But if you look at, if people will look at when do they eat, usually eat their last meal or when could they eat their last meal and kind of, you know, eat nothing else, drink nothing else with calories, you know. And then when do they usually have their first drink or meal with calories in the day? If you look at that time period at what it is already, I bet it's like around like 10 hours. So you're really just talking about when you're starting out, going about two more hours, trying to get to that 12 hour mark. Right. You know, building up to that. It's really, um, as I told somebody the other day, people, you know, especially when people balk at fasting, oh, that sounds horrible. I, I shared with somebody the other day, everybody fast. This is something you're already doing. You're already fasting. That period of time from when you eat your last meal, drink, whatever it is, to when you have your next one the next day, you're fasting. So everyone's already fasting. You know, it's just, you know, looking at that time frame. Well, and it's like on, you know, on a weekend day, if you are a person who brunches, which by the way, I I can't actually remember the last time I brunched because my kids are too little (laughs) to make it not very enjoyable. But... (laughs) I will say that if you are a person who brunches on Saturday or Sunday or both days, unless you're, you know, getting the early bird special, you probably already are eating in a 12-hour window on those days. So it's, again, like your body has the ability to do it. Now you just have to convince your mind. Yeah. Well, I know we need to let you go, Amanda, but... um, one other question that we wanted to ask you about, and then I want you, if there's anything we didn't cover that you think is relevant or that you want to share, I'd love to hear that. But um, where do you see people get the most tripped up when it comes to intermittent fasting? You know, I think it's the all or nothing, thinking that, A, you know, I'm going to starve myself. I only get one meal a day, kind of looking at the extremes to fasting, Oh, I can only drink black coffee. Um, you know, I, I've got to do it every day in order to see benefits is where people get just basically don't try it. Um, and so I think once you present it in the mind of start with 12 hours, ease your way in. You can do this. Try this. You know, um, do it for five days. Give yourself a break for two. 
then it opens the door and it and allows them to, um, you know, give it a go. I think the other thing that will trip people up is they do it without unsupported. They don't understand the power of electrolytes. They don't understand the power of caffeine. Like they don't understand the things that they should be doing to really optimize how they feel during the fast. So I've had a lot of people say, oh, I tried that and I felt horrible. Um, and it's just because they were, you know, poorly supported. So I think that's another thing that you want to think about. Well, and I will say, Amanda does not know, I'm about to say this. Um, when people ask me about fasting, I immediately direct them to your program because I think it's so helpful to have someone guiding you that has that research base of knowledge. And I, the primary reason that I direct them to you is one, I've done your program, but you're a dietitian. And that was so important to me when I was considering trying it out. There's a lot of programs out there, but I really don't know of any other dietitians that are leading it and have that, have your base of knowledge. So if someone is looking for a program or for some guidance, I, you're pretty much the only person I refer them to just because of your base of knowledge. Well, thank you. We, I do like to say we are the experts in the field of nutrition. <laughs> and, you know, I think that we have to claim that spot um, that has, you know, been very unclaimed in the last couple of decades. And, um, you know, I just love what you ladies are doing because, again, like we mentioned, I just think that there's so much connection between um, nutrition and our overall, you know, the way that we feel. And um, once you start to realize that connection is when, you know, people really start to come out of the funk and the brain fog and the depression and the anxiety, it, it can be really powerful. So such great stuff y'all are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell people, we're going to post this in our show notes so people can find it there, but can you quickly tell people how they can find you? Yeah, the best place to find me, I'm super active on Instagram, Amanda Nybert RD. That's where you'll, you know, get tons of daily content and support. And then my website, amandanybert.com has, um, I have a shop with tons of resources and, you know, my seven week program, Lean, Living Energized and Nourished. Um, so those are two great places to find me. Thank you. I know you are very active. I aspire to be you on Instagram. I think I'm a little too introverted. In fact, your people, we've had you for an hour now. Your followers are probably wondering where you are in your stories. (laughs) They're missing you. So Amanda, you are offering all of our listeners a discount if they do sign up for your seven-week program once this airs. So can you share a little bit more about how they would sign up and can learn more about it and what that discount code is? Sure, yes. Lean, Living Energized and Nourished is my signature seven-week program. It's all run through my free private app, so uh, no social media needed. And it, it really will walk you through implementing advanced nutritional strategies such as intermittent fasting, macro management, um, whole food nutrition, reduced inflammation. Um, And what really sets it apart is the daily support and accountability. So you are working with myself and my team um, to really make sure you kind of stay on track and and don't fall into that all or nothing mindset. So we're going to offer a special discount for you guys. The program is um, typically $199 for seven weeks. And 
We'll give you guys a $10 discount. Just simply use the code happy eat and it will give you that discount and you can get started. Usually sessions begin about every two weeks. So check it out. Thank you so much for joining us for the happy eating podcast. And as always, if you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate us and leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button. So you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.